Ladies and gentlemen, oh boy, what a day today. We've got Canada's finest NFL network uh, personality and uh, comedian, Rachel Bonetta. How are you? Woo! I'm great. Cheers. So, cheers to you. How fun. So you you really didn't mean to wear your hockey night in Canada shirt. I almost wore like a Toronto Maple Leafs shirt to represent. I to be That would have been like You want to you want to be honest? Too cheesy. Uh, I am good at researching as I drive here. And that's when <laughs> I saw on your Wikipedia that you're Canadian. <laughs> wow, so it's really just meant to be. It's it's a full uh, Canadian caribou fate that I come here in my, one of my favorite uh, audience members is from Canada and every year for Christmas, she sends me the little like maple leaf That's cookie so things, oh, you know? I'm very familiar. And speaking of syrup, speaking of maple syrup, <laughs> I, I, do a, I do a nice little Google search of people when I meet them. Mm -hmm. And the first Google search I saw of you was oh getting what appeared to be pounds, if not gallons, gallons. of maple syrup dumped on you yes. for losing a bet. Yes, that is true. It was actually, because if it was maple syrup, it would have been an actual nightmare to get out. It was corn syrup. Right. Because I guess that was easier to get off with water. But also, I had to do a, a pure, full... Yeah, pure maple syrup would have, like, killed a budget. Like, that's expensive. That is so that's expensive. That's a lot of money. Uh, so I had to do a 30-minute live show just covered in corn syrup, and they put garbage bags like all over the fancy studio and fox actually has like a a, a really nice like shower so oh good there you go went and hopped right in the shower right after the show you know back in my day uh playing a uh a murder victim in a movie uh spoiler alert i was killed <gasps> uh they used food coloring and corn syrup as the blood and i was on the ground and it dried and stuck me to the ground oh no we were then, stuck there and then bees were coming after me because why wouldn't a bee want to come after you if you're coming? And you know what? And that's what SAG is fighting for. Yeah. And that is actually what SAG is fighting for. That was my last non-union project. <laughs> so I meet you a month or two ago. Very funny. New to stand-up, not new to improv. I want to get your journey from the small world of uh, Canada, wherever mm -hmm. you're from, to uh, the NFL Network, and then now to stand-up comedy. Okay. I actually have a crazy story, so it's gonna it's gonna take a second. But we got um, all the time in the world. So I went to school for broadcast journalism. I'm from like a very very small town. Always wanted to go to school for theater and be an actress, but we didn't even have a drama program in my high school. So I had no, I, I wouldn't even know what to do going in there for like an audition or anything. So I was like, okay, what's the next best thing that I can like be on camera and I don't have to audition? Broadcast journalism. So I went to school in Toronto. And uh, I hate it. <laughs> well, when you say you're from a small town, like what? Do, how how like big was your graduating? Like it's not even actually called a town. It's called a village. <laughs> okay. Like we couldn't even get that. Because uh, I'm trying to paint together like a nice Canadian village here. Is there like one ice skating pond? Does everyone play hockey? Um, one ice skating pond on my property. <laughs> Everyone played hockey. I played for a couple years. All my brothers, my dad, my mom. Um, yeah, it's really, really small. I think that there was like maybe uh, 150 people in my high school and middle school total. Maybe yeah. even less than that. Okay, there was like 30 small. people per per grade. Um, yeah, it was really tiny. It was so a miracle that I got out. <laughs> you So you get into sports broadcast journalism. I hate to sound sexist here, but is this like a tomboy, multiple brothers, one of them type of deals? 1,000% you nailed it. I okay. have three <laughs> older brothers. I have three older brothers. I'm the youngest. I'm the baby, and I'm the only girl. And so I always loved playing sports growing up, but I didn't... It wasn't even like sports broadcast journalism. I was literally just going... Like, we covered everything. We did, like, news. We did 
sports and my favorite class was improv we had one improv class per semester just with this like random strange theater teacher that would come in and i kept on telling her i was like this is my favorite class like how to get me out of here i love that you described as some random strange theater teacher as yeah. if there's a non-strange theater teacher. it's honestly it was such a small school too it's honestly a miracle that they even had that they were like Improv would be a good class for these people. Yeah. Like uh, that was actually very forward thinking of them. You must have been on the the cusp of like the improv wave because Probably. that's sort of a new. I mean, it's been around for a long time, but to think that you could study that in high school is mind-blowing. Yeah, well, it wasn't in high school. This was in college. Oh, okay, college. Yeah. Um so anyway, so I go to school, I hate it. I drop out after 2 years. I'm like, I'm not finishing this. This is insane. And so I'm so broke. I'm a bartender. I'm like so broke. I'm I'm stealing toilet paper from the restaurant down you the street. You got to steal. Like, you have to bad bad theft. bad bad. Yeah. I was arrested for theft when I was 18, but that's a whole other story. We'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually Google the records. I have the mugshot. Um, anyways, so I um, I was working at this bar, and every single weekend, like hordes of these fans would come in before this big. We had a major league soccer team in Toronto called Toronto FC, and they would come in every single weekend, and it would be like crazy two hours, and we'd make so much money, and then they'd just leave. They'd walk across the street to the game, and so that is how I found out that we even had a major league soccer team because I did not know about it. And then, like through the grapevine, talking to my customers, I, I found out about this dream job contest. And you applied, and basically, if you won, you got to be on the jumbotron. You got to—it was a full-time job. Which, by reason. the way, the jumbotron invented Pamela Anderson in Canada. Don't I know it, baby? In Pamela Canada, Anderson and I actually have a lot in common. Okay, well, <laughs> we can get into that too. <laughs> That's actually but the only part. The, but. The, it, apparently, this is how it used to go viral. Like there was no OnlyFans. There was literally OnlyFans if they took a video of you. <laughs> and you had some nice boobies. I don't know. You know that. That works. I yeah. don't know if that's a Canadian-only thing, uh, but <laughs> they've exported us Pamela Anderson and now Rachel Bonetta. Um, so anyway, so I, I hear about this contest, and they're like, you have to apply online. You have to send in a video of like why you should be the host. So I still had all my like friends at school, and my professors actually helped me make this video. Amazing. And uh, it's still on YouTube. Oh boy! Well, yeah. it's gonna pop up right yeah, here. Roll it, roll it. <laughs> um, anyway, so I submitted and I made top 25 and I was just wow. like oh no I have to like keep up with this lie now because in the video I was like I'm the number one Toronto FC fan like I love this team and I didn't know that they I didn't know anything about them that's a tough sport too to like there's a lot of players so it's you can't just be like Tom Brady you gotta there's know, a like... lot of players who are exactly not famous and the fans are um, very committed and loyal. Plus, I'd have to say, to go back to like sexism in sports, which like, look, it just exists. Mm -hmm. There's so many men that are like, name two players yeah. for me. And now don't get me wrong. Let me see ask, you dribble actually. If you ask my wife her favorite three players ever. <laughs> <laughs> for for her home football team, she'd be like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How dare you do that to me? I also don't like being put on the spot. It's all panic and forget. It's soccer, there's a bunch of bodies running around. Um, it's not like you're watching like uh, one or two people, you know? Exactly, it's... exactly. So I get called in for an interview. The next spot is getting an interview. I swear to God, I had the captain's name written down on my hand. <laughs> His name is Torsten Frings. He's from Germany. I still remember that. There you go. Um, but I, t I just basically talked out my butt for like an hour with these guys. And for whatever reason, they like me. And I won. I beat out over like 500 people. And were you on camera at this point? Was it like a screen test? 
or like just an interview? It was just an interview. Yeah. Oh, they did do screen tests. Yeah. Okay. They, yeah. they sat me down and they're like, what do you like about this team? Who's your favorite player? And I was like, Torsten Frey. <laughs> like, just... And this was to be on the local sports show or no, what? No, not even anything. It was to be on the Jumbotron. Like okay. literally, hand, you know, when you go, I was just at the Kings game the other day, you know, and they're like, who wants a t-shirt? So it's not even that. to be like to interview people. Like it's just for the one-time it, Jumbotron it came, it came to be that. So okay. I thought okay. it was, again, I'm out of my mind. I don't know anything. You really are on. the Pam Anderson of the Western <laughs> area of Canada. Anything that is going on. I, so I won. They announced it at halftime. I get a couple of boos, but for the most part, you know, at halftime <laughs> when there's like only like seven people in the stands and yeah. it's like, woo. Uh, yeah, so why that, do they, why do they feel the need to fill time? Like, Call it halftime. Let people let get their beers. There's always a guy on like a 30 foot ladder riding a scooter. And you're just like, <laughs> what are we doing here? You know, and these poor people are just doing it to nobody. But it worked out for you. It did work out for me. So I won. I had no idea really what the job was besides the Jumbotron stuff. They sit me down on Monday and they're like, so we want to hire you on full time. You're going to make $40,000. And I was like, oh, I am You're like a year? Rich. <laughs> I'm rich. I remember taking all my friends out. Like, think about it. I was so broke I was stealing toilet paper. $40,000. Yeah. It was a lot of money for me. And it's a, a lot of money. From stolen toilet I paper to 40K so Canadian. So excited. Canadian dollars. CDN. What is that in the U.S.? I don't know. Roughly the same? Doesn't matter. Um, 37? What are we talking about? Five years ago? No, how, how, how long? Five! Was, your late 20s? Like a decade. Decade ago? 10 years ago. You're 32? Yeah. Oh, really? I just turned 32. Congre Happy birthday. You nailed that. Yeah. Um, very, very thin ice, to use a Canadian term, to guess women's age. So That's what I like to do on stage sometime, just to dig myself into a hole. Yeah. Just guess if someone's in their 40s or not. I love it. They, um, they don't. Okay, so I win. I get the job. This is when YouTube was, like, pretty pretty new. Not yeah. not brand new, but, like, pretty new, right? right. Like, a sure. ten, 10 years ago? Yeah. So they're like, here's the keys to this, like, whatever website. Here's a camera. Here's some editing equipment, which I already kind of knew how to do because I had been to school for journalism for two years. They show you how to do all of that stuff. And so I literally just started making my own videos and putting them up, up on YouTube. I would do character stuff. I would just, like, run around the stadium, like, during... I was just there all the time. So I just made really weird stuff. So you took the opportunity, the access that you had, yep. and then you ran with it. Yeah, and I sat down with the players. I got to be really friendly with all the players and, like... You know, ask them rapid fire questions and you, follow them around. Any of the players? And, uh, Were they asking out? Um, asking out? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I was young. You were young. I was impressionable. Whatever, were, office, office romance. They were famous athletes. Yeah. Not really famous. At all, well, <laughs> you're like, you're like, uh, you're on a date. You've still got the guy's name written on your hand. Yeah, like, exactly. Hey, John? I didn't know you existed Jacques? a week ago. So, so um, yeah. So okay. So you're becoming like a fan favorite within the Toronto FC. Yeah, I will say it was very fun, like walking around the city, because like I said, like Major League Soccer, I've covered every sport at this point now. When I was working for Major League Soccer, I have never been recognized more in my life. Airport. People would come at, to, at coffee shops. Like, wow, it was crazy. Their fans are so dedicated that they just like consume all the content. Sure, it's amazing. So I started doing this job. Major League Soccer, the head office in New York City, starts seeing my videos, mm -hmm. and I literally am at my desk editing some weird thing that I shot, and I get an email from somebody in the New York office, and they're like, "Hey, we're big fans of your work. Would you ever be open to moving to New York City?" Just you're, like a cold you're like, email. I'm on my way. <laughs> Literally. I'm like, where do I sign? Are you vetting this? Are you like, is this real? Yeah, no, I knew I knew all of them have like, you know, very, you know, 
exclusive emails that which like, of course is mls.com anyone who works in journalism the pipeline is start in a local market try to work your way up whether sure. it's the today show or espn yeah. you just want to work your way to a national audience from yeah. Re regional yeah so i moved to new york <laughs> i got my visa it was declined once or twice and then i finally got it moved to new york city started working for the entire league and i was like just kind of wrapping my brain around toronto fc and like learning the players and because again yeah. i knew nothing you're like nfl yeah football <laughs> yeah. american football so i start working for major league soccer start covering every single team traveling they had me going to all these games all the time and six months into that job I uh, got a job offer from ESPN and Fox Sports. It was bonkers. It was crazy. So I either stayed in New York. Was there a bidding war for you at that a point? A little bit. A little bidding war. A little war. bit. From and toilet paper probably, theft yeah, to bidding wars. I was wars. 22 at this point and just like out of my mind, like living in New York City, could barely afford my rent. And I was like, guess I'm off to LA. So I moved to Los Angeles. How long were you in New York for? Six months, you said? 11 months. 11 months, wow. 11 months, yeah. Wow. I finished out my like one-year contract so with MLS and then who, So you had NFL versus, who else was Fox? I had ESPN. You had ESPN. And versus Fox. And, and why did, who did you choose and why? Okay, so this is also a scandal. This was my first scandal, actually. First? <laughs> <laughs> okay. This was my first public scandal. Um, so I actually chose ESPN. I okay. chose to stay in New York City they offered me a really great offer. I was like still paying off my school, uh, wanted to be able to like, you know, take actually pay my rent in New York City. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go with ESPN. And so they signed my visa, I signed my contract, everything gets done. I go to volunteer in Africa. <laughs> like I'm literally in Africa. In the middle of the night, I get a call from what would have been my boss. And he's like, um, are you sitting down? And I was like, uh, what's going on? Like, is everything okay? And he was just like, so I had to sign a bunch of paperwork to like be in the Disney HR system. Okay. And, and this was after, again, everything was signed, sealed, delivered. I had told MLS I was leaving. Everything was done. And in the paperwork, you have to, you know, it's like, who is your emergency response? Where is your, what's your address? What, blah, 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 credit, right. da, 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 da. And then they're like, where did you uh, go to school and did you graduate? And I was like, I went to Seneca College, finished 2009. Like, I didn't even think twice about saying, actually, I dropped out, and here are the re Like, I didn't, I just, I was they like, had an the issue with your graduation I was status? Like, you already I already have my job, everything's done. I didn't even think about it. So then I sent it to HR, everything is done. A week later, they call me, and they're like, so because ESPN is so black and white, and their HR is by the book, I think maybe something had happened before. They were like, we have to revoke your offer because you lied about graduating college. Big scandal, Rachel. And I was like, truly, it was to me. <laughs> I was devastated because all of a sudden, my like character was coming into question. And even even like my, what would have been my boss, he's like, I am so sorry. You're not I'm doing like the company taxes or no. something. He's like, I'm embarrassed <laughs> that this is happening. I'm so sorry for you. I had already told MLS I was going. I had a goodbye party. Like, uh, it, was so, <laughs> it was so awful. So then my agent calls Fox and they're like, is there any way um, that you would want her back? And, and they're like, well, what happened with ESPN? And they're like, well, she filled out some paperwork and said that she graduated college and then she didn't. And so then Fox was like, well, is she a liar? 
So then she, they were like, we would like to speak to, to some people in Rachel's life and get a good idea of her character. Character witnesses. So all of a sudden, all of these people who I had worked with before are having to call, like be on the phone. Also, mind you, now all of these people at Fox Sports that had to do these phone calls did are like very to, good friends of mine. Did so you have very to funny. submit uh, sources? Like- yes. Yes, these people, like from like Fox HR, essentially had to like call and be like, "Is Rachel sketchy?" <laughs> and I was like, "This was my first foray into therapy because I, I was like, literally, my character is being questioned, and I just got like a great job ripped out from under me." And like up until that point, it had been such like fairy tales and dream come true and blah 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 blah. Um, that's and so Fox wild. took me back. Fox ended up actually sending me a better deal than they had originally sent me for more money and like a bigger offer. So you ended up getting a better offer than ESPN or Fox's no, better No, no, no. ESPN was the better so offer. You still, so you still but Fox bumped up their money. They're like, we want Rachel to know that we actually really want her here. And how bizarre. Water under the bridge. Let's move her out here. So I had to move out to LA with no money, nothing. Was not planning on moving out to LA. I slept on someone's couch. I lived in someone's basement for a couple months. Like it was bad. It was gnarly. So when you're not lying on your resume. <laughs> no, I mean, look, that's just ridiculous. Like It's crazy. You, you don't fake it till you make it. I mean, it's not like you're, uh, you know, faking uh, a medical I doctor already, or psychologist. I, would, I guess I would be a little bit more understanding if the job wasn't already mine, but the ink was dry. Like, the contract was done. They weren't hiring me because of where I went to school. I wonder if they were budget cutting and needed an excuse. <laughs> like, no, but it, I mean, it, it's yeah. like corporations... I under I do understand HR and it's that's this is why I don't want I would never you couldn't you put could a right. check together for me to work for a corporation right now. <laughs> and and that and now it looks like you had a pretty good experience, but you go from Fox when do you make it to NFL Network? So I was at Fox for like six years and I did a bunch of different things. I started in digital and then I went to the World Cup in Russia where I almost Whoa. died. Whoa. I spent three days in a Russian hospital because I was so sick. I saw you talked about that on stage. Yeah. I, I ate listened. too many hot dogs. So you, so processed meat, <laughs> so you're not lying about this. I had gallstones, which I did not know about. And then the Russian hot dogs just really took me over the edge. How was the Russian uh, hospital system? It was system? awful. Really? It was awful. Um, no one spoke any English. I will say it was like clean and, and people were v- trying very, very hard, but, um, no one spoke any English. I also had it because everyone was day one, one of our, uh, cast members of the world cup coverage had a gun pulled on him. So security was like, so amped up. I had a security guard sleeping outside of my room at 24 seven. Every single time I saw him, I cried because I was like, thank you for taking care of me. So was the hot dog eating contest part of a There was a no thing? contest, babe. I was eating them on my own. Oh, so this isn't work. This accident's not work related. I was doing like a late night show. Um, and, uh, I was doing a late night show and the only thing that was like around were, was like the stand that sold hot dogs. And I'm such a sicko. I love hot dogs so much. Even when I got to go to games and there was a, you know, pretzels and like whatever you could have it's the world cup, there's food from all over the place. And like the tailgates, I was still like, get me inside. I gotta so get a, I gotta get a crazy. meat almost took you down. Almost took me out. So anyways, was there gastro? Like, was this a sh- shit your pants thing? Or my, like- my gallbladder, when they did the x-ray, they were like, your your gallbladder is more than twice its normal size. And, and when you were I probably got home, wondering, like, you probably had no idea what a gallbladder did. No, I have I, no I idea. I have no idea. Basically, it, it's just, like, the producer of bile, so it breaks down your food. So when you can't, when, when there's, like, blockages, you can't break down food. So the Especially, hot dogs Especially, like, it. greasy and hot dog, like, gnarly stuff. It just doesn't process right. Probably, so you really sick. You were probably already in, like, fight-or-flight mode just because you were traveling. Because I was in Russia. 
Yeah, not not in the, wow. any rush to so go back there. So did, did it, did it, you got healthy right away? Like, what happened from that? I, I came home to America and got my gallbladder removed. I don't have a gallbladder They just anymore. take it out? They just did, popped it out. Did they give it to you? No, but some people, they do allow you to take pictures of it and show you it, and I did not want to see that. They, like, let you see the stones inside, and I'm like, I will punch you in your face if yeah. that's on the table when I wake up. So was this public knowledge, or did that, like, was this... No, I didn't. Um, I didn't want my mom to worry, <laughs> so I didn't tell anyone. Um, By the way, I shout out to your mom. What's her name? Rita. Rita. Shout outs to Rita. Um, Big Rita. She still doesn't really even know the full scope of Russia, because I think she would just be like, oh, how could you have gone there? Oh, my God. Moms are just so nervous. They really are, and I truly, truly think my mom is, like, such a rock star. She would have been on the next flight, and I did not want my mom in Russia. Because how's she going to help? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. It's like, Mom, come on, Rita, leave Do us alone. Do you speak Russian, Rita? No. Yeah. All right, so, you, because so, I was wondering, like, if that was... You know, hot dog eating contest uh, for the cameras. Maybe mm. the show's there, but uh, you know. It was all in my So that was on you, yeah, a little street a meat little gone sicko. wrong. It happens. Um, so that was. I get back to LA, get my gallbladder removed. I'm offered because our, our work in uh, the World Cup, we won an Emmy for it. Like it was a really great show, oh, and everyone loved what we did. Thank you so Emmy much. Emmy award winning. I didn't even lead with that. Thank you so much. Um, I got offered a daily show at FS1. It was a sports gambling show. It was brand new. It was a live show every single day. Um, and once again, just like throwing myself into stuff that I do not know, but just like going with the flow. And so I did that for three years and then I went to NFL Network and I was a part of their like big Sunday morning show and doing lots of character sketches and, um, it was very fun. Uh, how long were you at NFL Network and tell me about how that ended? Oh my God. I was there for a year and a half. Um, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say because I don't want to get sued. Okay, but basically well, it, was bu- it was budget cuts. Budget your, cuts. Your girl got cut. Okay. Your girl got cut. But it's all good. I literally have nothing bad to say about this place because it was so much fun. They literally just like, once again, I think I thrive in an environment where I am not like policed or patrolled at all. And they're kind of like, here are the keys. You do your own well, thing. Well, they're dumping corn syrup on each other. So clearly it was a cool environment. <laughs> clearly it was a pretty cool environment. Um, did you, and, see, did uh, you see it coming, the budget cuts? I had a weird feeling in my gut. I did. Um, but I did. Yeah, I, I just had a feeling. I don't know. It was like kind of a premonition. And I was okay with it. I mean, this is kind of the first... I've been working... I won that job when I was... I won that job with Toronto FC, I think, when I was 21. Wow. Or 20. And so I have been working in sports kind of, like, blindly just going forward. And, like, you know, I've been offered so many great, like, opportunities, doing so many different things that I've kind of just always kept on going through these, like, doors that have opened and never really asked myself, like, do you want to go through these doors? Or mm. is this just, like... Yeah, a not, shiny new fun not every breadcrumb you know, press release yeah not every breadcrumbs meant to be but I feel super lucky because it's like you know led me to be where I am now but um yeah well, it's been an interesting last year just kind of like stopping for a second and starting stand-up and so did you want to start stand-up and was this your opportunity how did that come about I never wanted to do stand-up stand-up <laughs> always scared the absolute hell out of me uh I had done a bunch of improv like went all through Groundlings and and loved that and I love character stuff 
Um, I think I was just always way too afraid of doing stand-up. It felt just so vulnerable and so crazy. So for the audience that doesn't know, Groundlings is an improv school and community mm -hmm. that has produced original characters like Pee Wee Herman. Yes. He, he of course... Um, it's like a major pipeline to SNL, and right. it's a very huge school here in Los Angeles, and I went there for many a year and loved it. And... Um, yeah. So, just, so was it a was it the safety of knowing? Because in improv, you can you can do a character on stage and it doesn't have to get a laugh right away. Yeah. Was it the sort of um, the buffer having other improvisers on stage with you? Like what was it? I think it? it was the safety of that. I think to be honest, it, even though I was doing improv, it still scared the hell out of me. Like I I love control, especially being in an environment like television. Like everything's pretty controlled. Like worst comes to worst, if something happens I can just read the teleprompter and yeah. just get back to it so with, I what I loved about improv is like I had to relinquish that control and just like you know get on the floor and literally bark like a dog like a, you know I'm not going to do that in my day job so it was just such a nice and also being a, a, a woman in sports television you know you wear like the tight dresses and you look beautiful and like there was something that I loved so much about groundlings like they really dive into characters and just being and, like yeah. ugly and like well there is a criticism that people have when you say oh don't wear something hot on stage and I mean when by hot I mean don't show off your legs your whatever for stand up but, well yeah but the idea is and it's not necessarily for men or for women but the idea is uh, like uh, you see Louis C.K. wears kind of like a Steve Jobs style outfit which is like black t-shirt jeans yeah. because he wants to joke to tell the story not not what's going on with his kneecaps and, <laughs> but it doesn't mean you can't be hot on stage it just means like that like if you're going to be Nikki Glaser and wear a, 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 a tight fitting dress that's totally fine it just might be something that either goes with your character or doesn't yeah and I have, no, I have no say on what people wear, but I know when I put on an outfit and if I'm about to go on stage, I'm like, will I get heckled in this? And if so, am I okay with that? <laughs> to be honest, I'm still kind of trying to figure out what my stage style is. Like for the most part, I kind of just wear like what I wear day to day. Um, I think that's, I think that works. Cause I don't like, yeah, I don't want to be distracting. I don't want to, I also don't like, I love when comedians got, come up on stage and they're like, I know what you're thinking. I look like X, Y, Z and they nail it. Yeah. I don't know what I look like. <laughs> I have no you're, idea. So I just need to like, I just go, yeah. I just, I just really try to be myself and. It doesn't have to be like a celebrity. You can be like, I look like the girl you you didn't call back. I don't know. Exactly. It could exactly. be like but just like a vibe. It. Whatever they say, they always yeah. like, you know, when they nail it, it's so I good. always said I looked like Bradley Cooper in Limitless before he took the pill to be successful. <laughs> That's great. Because it got too easy to say, I look like so-and-so. It's like, I'm going to be so specific. That's so funny. And then I said like the chubby yeah. version in American Sniper. I haven't Sniper. figured mine out. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Maybe the comment section can help you out. <laughs> Sometimes it's the comment section that'll nice. tell you exactly nice what you look like. So welcome to the stand-up community. But I will say, having started in improv and then moved to stand-up, I can totally understand. With stand-up, you have in your back pocket jokes you might start off with uh, that you don't necessarily need to. You might be walking on stage, ready to do a joke, and then a glass breaks or someone farts or whatever the hell yeah. happens in the room. And I think what's so important with the authenticity of performing is to be the voice for the room. Mm -hmm. So, like, if the air conditioner is too loud and you can't hear me, God damn it if I'm going to do my <clears throat> material before I... Address, address that. Addressing it, yeah. yeah. I think that that's so, that's obviously such a helpful skill to improv is taught you to like think on your feet. Yeah. I'm still very much in, like I'm literally a baby. I've only been doing this for like five months, so I'm still very much like, we're going to let that air conditioner go because I got stuff to say. You know what's <laughs> you know funny what I mean? is the show that you and I did was one of the worst audiences I've had in the last 
10 years. It was not, I wouldn't say it's the worst, it was but a it doozy. was very close. And you know what made it so bad mm. is that, God bless him, the guy who puts on the show, mm -hmm. the audience w was his family, including his wife. Wasted. Yeah, so when it's a bad audience at a normal comedy club, you just get the bouncers to kick the person out. Right. In this sense, the only crowd there yeah. was people he brought that was his family. So you can only sort of shit on that so far. I think the the only reason I survived that that set was because I had just gotten engaged and I saw the front row was all drunk women. So I was like, ladies, woo, 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 just got engaged. And they were like, ah! And then they were automatically like bought into like whatever the hell I was about to say. It's nice to get those those easy, not easy, but those No, those absolutely, absolutely. I was just like, I'm just gonna power through this and they're just gonna be stoked and when I'll go home. <laughs> when I got engaged um, right before the pandemic, I felt that telling people in the audience that I was engaged built some sympathy. Like, it, it took me out of the guy who's on stage just trying to get laid, which <laughs> is a stand-up comedian. You do comedy to get laid, and then yeah. you do it, and then you got laid, and then you got a ring on the thing, and now you're like, all right, I guess I'm doing comedy for other reasons. You know what's a really interesting lesson that I've, like, been starting to learn? Like, I have had a social media, like, presence for a really long time, and I feel like whenever I make content, it's for the people who know me, and it's very, like, true and, like, authentic to who I am, so people will, like, like it because they're like, oh, that's Rachel being Rachel, and then I'll do the same stuff on stage, and people don't laugh, and I'm like, oh, you guys have no, I, you, you don't know me the way that my, you know, the people that are familiar with me know me, and sometimes I'll say things, and I'll watch it back, and I'll be like, wow, that's extremely, like, dark to somebody that doesn't that isn't familiar with like what i'm talking about or like my cadence or anything like I, that I, I feel like i learn something new literally every time i do it that's what's so important about stand-up you're like you're basically like a stem cell slowly being molded into a comedian because and i think lewis ck explained this when you tell a joke too many times it loses its bite because you get so confident in the premise yeah. that you forget how how dangerous that premise might be. So, like, if you're talking about something heavy and you just randomly throw it out there, people mm -hmm. are like, "Whoa, sister!" Yeah. And the same thing happens when an audience already knows you. We already know the common denominator. Mm -hmm. And so, like, for me, when I try to do like personal stories, mm -hmm. I have to remember the audience doesn't care about me. How do I? How do I do that thing where we call out something in the room or build this sympathy for me and otherwise normal looking dude who's, you know, got no other... It's also you know. like the first time that you do a joke and it lands and it like, you know, crushes, you're like, oh, of course I'm going to do that again. And then I'm going to do that again. And then I'm going to do that five more times. And then by the time you do it the 10th time, there's no way unless you're like, you know, obviously a... A professional, which I am not. It's like by the time I do a joke so many times, I'm like, oh, let me throw this out. I'm like so yeah. sick of saying it. Well, you know what it is. I've talked about this before. It's dopamine. So look at it as like an Oreo. If you've never had an Oreo before, you're like, all right, give me the Oreo, and then you eat it, and then the sugar hits, and you yeah. go, oh yeah, give me some more of that. Yeah, I gotta do that. Then again. the <laughs> next time, so that's the new joke. Oh boom, we got a laugh. Awesome. Yeah. I just had one that I was like, I was saying it to my wife who never laughs at my jokes. And I was like, I, I was like, I finally figured out why women in the U.S. care about height with men, mm -hmm. and women in Europe don't. And it's because in the U.S. we use the the metrics that we don't use metric system. So in the U.S., being six foot tall is like a prestigious number, but in the U.K. it's like. 1.82 versus 1.8, you know? Yes. It's like, yeah, doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. And I was, yeah. and she was like, oh, that's actually kind of funny. I was like, then we're going to talk there about that. There we go. That. But then once you, so the dopamine of the Oreo, mm -hmm. once you already know the Oreo is going to give you that, that give me the, you know, the goods, mm -hmm. then you get 
the dopamine at the anticipation of the Oreo. Mm -hmm. But eventually, you need seven of those Oreos to give you the same high as the first one. Yeah. And that's what a joke is. What you have to remember is that it's not always about your dopamine it's about making the audience laugh. Mm -hmm. So then that comes down to saying, this joke might not make me feel good, but I know it works, mm -hmm. and I'm going to do it, and mm -hmm. I have to make it believable, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you can speckle in the new material so that you can continue feeling good about not telling the same joke over and over. I think for me, it's like, I'm still like proving to myself that I can do this. Like for so long when I made a sketch, you know, I would hear like the chuckles in the studio of when we we're live. And then I would, you know, get the dopamine of like people watching it on Twitter. But I'm like, you know, then you'd start to get like, oh, this is cringe. Like, oh, why are you getting paid money from the NFL to make this? <laughs> and then you start like, you know, the negativity is so much louder than the positivity. So I feel like in my brain, I'm like, no, I'm going to, I like still, for some reason, even though I've been doing comedy in like one way or another for a really long time, I'm still like trying to prove to myself that I am funny. And so like, I'll have a joke work and then I'll be like, I want to try that again. I want to try totally, like I'm throwing that out. I'm going to do that over and over again. And something that I need to work on is like, no, this worked. Let's build it up. Let's make it grander. Yeah. Let's make the laughs bigger. And I need to keep on doing that instead of just being like, let me try that again. Let me try something It's fresh. the same. It, that won't go away. Yeah. I don't think that'll ever go away, <laughs> but I do think you'll start to learn like which jokes like all right it's in the back pocket i'm not going to feel good about it but i know from a bird's eye perspective this is funny it'll work yeah and then i'll do this one that works so then i can try the new one that might you know might might work and might not work mm -hmm. so what's interesting though is when you talk about getting the laughs in the room were you able to uh doing like sketches or or doing like uh, stuff in the studio. Were you able to get a vibe from your coworkers? What was funny? Like, no, like what because, was the... no, because I'm I'm writing all of them by myself, and it's not like I'm putting them up on its feet before I record it. So I'm literally going in blind, and I won't know the payoff until it goes live out to national television. And then you just have to and wait my, and see the my response. Editor, I loved him, but he was a really hard laugh. So I was like. Oh. It's not funny. Yeah. It's not funny. He didn't laugh. <laughs> and then when he did laugh, I was like, this is going to kill. You want it. You do want an easy laugh. There is no I, benefit I for like cracking. Myself with easy laughs. Because the more people are in the audience, the more odds that there'll be some easy laughs, yes. which can crack a joke open. Yes. And you don't want like a laugh that's not honest, but someone who's like an easy laugh is like, give me more. Like, that's why I always make, like my wife, like she knows me too well. So like, she doesn't find things funny that mm -hmm. she might've found funny before because she's like, ugh, you know? So I like, like the, the easy laughs also just relaxes the audience. Cause it's like, oh, okay. I oftentimes, unless it's somebody that's like, you know, a really like well-renowned standup, I'll oftentimes be like, Ooh, I hope this person like makes it out alive. Like, I hope they're okay. And then as soon as the easy laughs start to come in and I see that person relax, I'm like, oh, we're, we're chilling. We're, that's we're grooving. Knowing like, Get, getting that ball rolling in the show we did was such a bad audience that I felt like I could I, I felt like everything just got hit in the mud and there was no momentum it was and, really hard and that's part of the dance of just like continuing to learn how to play those types of rooms because they exist and then and then you'll get a room that's too easy and the and the truth is your comedy somewhere in between yeah and you're not really learning anything from those rooms either like I had a really tough crowd the other night we had an improv show that opened for our show and the improv show was tough. Which is which is tough because it's a different style of humor. It's a totally different style of humor. And they you're were training like, the audience to like be more um 
I feel like with improv, the audience is like watching paranormal activity where they're like looking for what the weird thing is in the room and stand-up's more like, no, I'm going to hit you with these jokes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so then to come in and do like seven minutes off the top of an improv show, it was like, ooh, this is going to be rough. And then everyone that followed, I was hosting that night, so everyone that followed just kind of like kept on stumbling and stumbling and I felt so bad. Those are fun, being a part of a, just a, a flat-out bomb night. But the show we did, there was there were comics that are pro killers. So good. And they were in the back being like, man, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like laughing because I think I had to close the show. Yeah, you did. And it was like well, well two hours past the show, well past midnight. Yeah. Wasted audience. Everyone's going to get up to pee. Yeah. No one gives two shits about it. It was one of those like, I'm just going to throw as many punches at you and just whatever. I like, think you did great. And I really loved watching all the stand-ups because I think I went third. So there were a couple of people that struggled for me. And then all of my nerves were gone. Yeah. I was so nervous to perform with all of you guys because I saw like all your credits and like, I was like, oh shit. Oh, those like, are all made up just like your know. resume. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know that I'm like a baby here and that like I shouldn't even be in this crowd. And then everyone started struggling. I was like, ah, fuck it, I don't care anymore. You did and then great. I went up and did my thing. And fuck it, it was, I don't care is the mentality you need. It was so cool to see all of you guys react to the crowd and the way that you did it and the way that you just like powered through. And um, it was so fun. I really, yeah. I think I learned more about co- like comedy as well. Just being in the back room with all y'all and like talking to you guys. Like I did a show at Flappers last week and I stayed after because I was just listening to everyone's stories and like where they like to perform and like how hard it was. Take and, like, whatever advice they gave you and run in the other direction. Throw it out the window. That's another thing. <laughs> no, there's good like, comics that go there. Everyone's but... so jaded too. It's like, yeah. <laughs> should I quit? That's Should funny. I leave? Well, briefly, because we've been doing laps here before I let you go. Yeah. You're like, are you gonna send me home? Um, <laughs> you got, you just got engaged. Tell me, tell me where you're at in life. You're planning a mar- wedding. What's I'm going planning, on? I'm planning a marriage. <laughs> I am planning uh, a wedding. Gosh, I feel like oh, it's so cheesy to say, but I truly feel like I'm like the happiest I've ever been. Boo, lame. I know. Yeah, I know. Open, it's so open, open with that on stage. I know it's so stupid. <laughs> I know. Tomato, tomato, tomato. No, but I, I really think that like relinquishing my like job in sports and just taking a break and being like, okay, what do I like really want to do? And then doing something so. I know that, that, again, another cheesy thing, but, like, doing things that scare you is so, like, fulfilling on so many levels and doing it over and over and over again. Like, I feel like I could run through a damn wall every day right now. Like, I'm so motivated. I'm more creative than I've ever been. Like, I don't know. Do you want me to make something out of that my life is terrible? No, no. I just asked how the marriage is going to be. The marriage is going to be great. (laughs) How did you meet the guy? Did he, was he an athlete? He slid into my DMs. He slid into your DMs? He slid into my DMs in 2015. Whoa. And I ignored him for eight years. Wow. And then I saw a video of him and I was like, oh, who is this cutie? And, uh. So he's got some like, is he a, is he like a name? Is that why? He, he does, like, on-camera stuff as well, but I went to, like, go message him, like, hey, oh, my God, this video is so funny. And there were there were several messages already waiting for me, and I was like, wait, what? what is this? And then the oldest one was from 2015. This is hope None for of them were creepy. Guy. None of no, them were... Well, creepiness depends on your level of attraction and for him. And do not take hope from this. Don't no, <laughs> take hope. strange women. It takes eight years, don't guys. Know. Don't gonna, do it. I'm going to make a dating advice show and just clip this. <laughs> Take eight years and just DM as many. DM her every you single day. Know. She will notice you eventually, and she'll say yes when you propose. So I like to f- learn about people that I admire with what they're doing, mm-hmm. like y- like you're like, and then I like to go back and try to web it all together. So it seems like you were able to see opportunities that existed and put yourself out there. None of this would have happened if you didn't 
apply for the new, you know, Jumbotron totally. girl. Yeah. None of this would, you know what I mean? So. Pamela Anderson. There you go. I mean, so Pamela Anderson, they found her, but at least this you applied for it. But it was only a matter of time before they found me. Only (laughs) a matter of time. The Jumbotron was on its way over to me. Uh, But cheers again and congrats and thanks for doing the show. Thank you so much. I'm going to put a link down below. People can go follow you on Instagram and uh, you can Google her and watch um, corn syrup get dumped all over you. Yeah. And my YouTube video is still up there. So if you want to. We maybe will, don't we will find maybe that. don't we will find that <laughs> thanks again and um yeah hopefully we'll do another show sometime i love it sweet let's do a selfie 